0: Is it me, or there's a nice comforting smell of toast and jam? (laughs) 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 Ah, the joy of uh, pleasant sensations. And uh, also as I came in I, was, I could see the light it's very, it was very beautiful for me so it's in line with the talk because I, <laughs> I I yeah I mean the theme of the retreat is the, the joy on the path so I wanted to look at this again a little bit uh and I made them in my mind just for memory, not uh, doing in, in, uh, intense uh, research or anything, but just for memory of the years of practice and hearing Dharma talks and teachings and readings and just what was uh, naturally coming to mind as a memory of uh, uh, what is mentioned in the text or the teaching about um, joy. And so. Um, so the, the first one is uh, the, the joy of a uh, sensual pleasure, huh? good taste, uh, beautiful sight, sounds. Sometimes they come as uh, an amalgam, right? Somebody smelling good and what they say is beautiful and their eyes and, you know, it's a whole uh, experience. And so that's <coughs> one, of the, one of the joys uh, in our life, the, when we, when we uh, are able to meet uh, what is pleasant for the senses. There's an image that uh, I thought I would not use it, but I'm going to use it just and see what uh, what it brings for you. I remember the first time it, it took the first time I heard it I was like no no way like that's not my dharma. <laughs> and then uh I don't know maybe like 7 years later at some point I remember I was sitting in uh, the, the floor of my uh, apartment and suddenly this image came to me. I was like I know I know <laughs> that's this that's describing this situation here really well. <laughs> And so, uh, the image is that uh, the, the joy of a, of a sense pleasure is, uh, is a little tricky because the image that is used, it's a, they say it's a little bit like uh, licking honey on a razor's edge. So, what, and one has to be really skilled <laughs> to get the honey without the cut, you know. And what is the cut? The cut is this tendency that often we'll have, or have you noticed that when something is pleasant, suddenly the heart can contract, you know, Oh, want more, don't want to lose, you know, and the fear arises. And when uh, these things disappear, sometimes there's a feeling of loss, but sometimes the thing stays there, but still there's a feeling of potential loss. You know, like oh, if it goes what you know, and then we get really tight, and uh, so that's a very human uh, uh, response. Uh, respond to uh, response to uh, to what is pleasant. So I think we can take it as um, a field of exploration. Oh, is that is that true? And is there a way to actually be so awake, so careful that we would be aware of the I don't know the dangers or the the traps, you know, and be able to actually feel uh, the pleasure deeply and in a way that is not entangling, that is uh, liberating. I think, I think it's possible. I think it takes a lot of wisdom and attention, you know, but I think it's possible to allow for pleasantness to arise, be fully known and experienced and released as it, as it uh, diminishes or goes. One thing I like about this practice, and I might have said this, but to me, the kind of the baseline of this practice is, um, I I think of it as the Buddha saying, let me show you a way to pay attention. I don't know if I said this in this hall this time, you know, let me show you a way to pay attention so that you'll be able to discover for yourself what is true what is not what is onward leading what is entangling so you won't have to believe anybody so my talk today is subject to that uh, uh, to your independence of thought to your critical thinking to your careful observation you know and so there's freedom in that, so ideas are presented. I know there's a kind of power because I'm on a stage. I'm the only one looking this way, everybody's looking that way. You know there's a kind of organization that's saying, you know something important <laughs> to, you know so it's good actually to be aware of this. Oh, okay, this is the setup. There's a message in the setup. Let me uh, be careful with the setup and the message in there i you yeah. So you're really invited to be intelligent and discerning and to rely on your own uh, intuition or experience. It's very important, more than anything else, right? So other kinds of uh, joy that, are, uh, that comes from the teaching, I think, is uh, there's the joy of uh, uh, money well earned and well spent talks about this in the teaching that then I think sometimes we think it's, oh, it's so spiritual and so I don't know esoteric and but there's something really real about this and uh, one that I particularly like is uh, the joy of a work well done you know when you have a, a task to do like your yogi job and uh, of course there's the extreme of like you know my self value or worth depending only on the fact that I put enough toilet roll on that shelf, you know, <laughs> or some something, you know. So there's extremes in there, but in the middle path, you know, the actual <laughs> joy when one finishes something, uh, a task, and it was well done, it was done with good intention, with uh, as, you know, bringing the fullness of what we do, and then we can actually enjoy this. And since I read this in the teaching or heard this, I can not remember it, it's been coming to my mind a lot, and and reminding myself, oh Pascal, you're about to kind of um, that's a French-Canadian word we have, which is probably English, like butchy when we butch something, like do it like quickly, you know. And sometimes I have this feeling like I'm uh, ag- about to do this like in the m- with the minimal attention in the minimal requirement kind of way, and so I'm going to deprive myself of a joy, you know, if I have the choice, because sometimes. There's no time, or something like I have to do it quick, and but sometimes I actually could slow down in writing this email and be more considerate, you know, of the whole of the situation, and I could I can go really quickly and go for what I think, and you know, and if I slow down a little bit, then I'll press send, and there'll be a kind of joy. Like, well, I actually s- slowed down here and paid a- attention to what was happening, you know. So this is good to. Remember, in life, we have access to this, yeah? <coughs> There's the <coughs> the joy of spiritual friendship, and so very precious on the path. Uh, and so when we uh, have the chance to uh, practice or spend time with people who are wise, and uh, it's something that we can really appreciate, and uh, specifically in in some of the development of some of the qualities, you know, equanimity, Oh, you want to develop equanimity, hang out with the equanimous people, find them out, S- spend time with them. And then this will uh, accelerate your own growth, you know. You're interested in calm, find calm people, hang out with them a little bit, pay attention, you know. And the joy of that, of benefiting from somebody else's uh, beautiful qualities. And these quality, uh, these people, clearly don't have to be buddhist you know they these qualities are not buddhist qualities they're human qualities and so many people develop these in all kinds of ways by using all kinds of different paths pathways and so for us to recognize again that uh, when somebody has a particular quality to tune in and uh, rejoice in this and benefit from that, in our own mind, be impacted. I think I talked about this already, the joy of uh, generosity. And the more and more we're progressing in this, I think the more and more the joy is inwardly produced. So that's an interesting aspect. So the joy and the gratification of sense pleasure comes from the music, Like I said, it depends on the music the joy of generosity is inwardly produced. When I'm being generous with my time, my attention, uh, any resources that I have that I can uh, feel that I can offer or, or share, this uh, joy comes from inside. And so it has a, a particular particular kind of value because it's inwardly produced. Yeah. So it depends on oneself, you know, rather than, oh, all my happiness depends on the fact that the night is going to be fun with the people I'm going to see, or whatever it is, you know, that the mattress is going to be comfortable or that the... I don't know what, you know, what it is. But if all my joy and happiness depends on this, that puts me in a very fragile situation. Yeah. So, as much as I can recognize that there's some joys and forms of happiness and fullness, however we want to call this, that are inwardly produced and that I've gained more and more access to this, uh, particularly through the practice, you know, that I actually cultivate these kinds of joy and can recognize them. So, the joy of uh, giving, for example, the bliss of blamelessness. We talked about this on the first night, by having, uh, living an ethical life, I go to bed at night and my mind is not busy explaining why I did that and justifying and feeling remorse or avoiding remorse and all this I can lay down and say, wow, I really showed up here with respect for people and uh, uh, intention for non-harming. And so that joy, I like this expression, the the bliss of blamelessness. Yeah. And again, all these have traps, you know, because I can use all these to judge myself and beat myself up and question myself. But there's something in there that is very, um, very uh, real. To me it's something that that, uh, is very real. I can experience this if I've been uh, unethical uh, after I'm going to be troubled. And that's one of the ways we talk about meditation. You want to meditate. Make sure you're not abusing people too much, because it's going to be really hard to calm the mind, you know. So take care of this first, you know, take care of the people around you in your community and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's no, the scale is very vast for this, you know. And so do this, and then it'll be easy after to practice meditation, yeah. So the joy uh, there of uh, blamelessness. And in that also, in being harmless, intentionally, carefully, and we see how this requires attention. Yeah. So, so attention is invited in this field. I have to be very careful if I want to really be harmless. And so when I offer uh, protection, that's a kind of joy. Oh, I don't, uh, in my actions and words, I can notice when I create a, a sense of safety or inclusion, or uh, I'm able to see, consider, respect, etc. This is a great joy. But also, another twist, I could say, to that, that I like is by offering protection, I also gain in protection. I'm protected by offering protection. Yeah? Because I'm offering this to the field around me. And so, I'm in the field too. So, I'm benefiting from it. I'm I'm uh, sending a message also, that I value this. And then, it uh, impacts the whole system that I'm in, yeah? So, these. And then, I wanted to explore uh, more of the joys that are related to the development of wisdom, if I can say it like this. So one that uh, came to mind or comes to mind is the, is the joy uh, in the capacity to meet reality more and more, right? And so my sense is that um, through this practice, we're developing many qualities that allows us to actually meet the world that we're in the relationships we're in the work we're in the things that are not happening right the 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 way we live together as a community yeah and so it makes us uh, able to be in the world a world that is pretty crooked no or a little bit i don't know, I don't know how you experience it but it's not it's not like your absolutely just world you know in uh, pretty much at any level. So, having the capacity to meet it um, is is something and it can take the form, one form that I see in myself and in others with the practice is developing a confidence. Oh, I can be with this. This is not what I would have chosen, but I I can be with this. Especially after sitting a retreat like this, I think it becomes more clear maybe that we can be with... uh, epic encounters while doing nothing you know (laughs) but it is even though we i keep saying we're doing nothing i know that there's an intensity in being here we're visited by the world you know and and all the impressions that it has left on us and we learn how to hold the world how to understand it how to care about it and, uh, and so, one of the joys is the joy of uh, confidence that one might gain. And I hear this being described by people like, wow, this happened before I would have imploded, or kind of jammed, paralyzed. And now I'm like, okay, okay, this is what's happening. Let's, let me be involved here, engage with this. You know, so that, that's something particular. And what does that? So more and more equanimity being cultivated, more and more curiosity, more compassion, uh, so many qualities uh, uh, come into that. And an understanding also, there's a kind of a, my sense is that we, where happiness lies or what causes the happiness, there's a transformation in our understanding. So it's not so much that I would get that or that it would be like this, it's more like, lo- It's more like, oh, my, I don't know if it's happiness, the word here, my joy or my freedom or my... I still have to look for the right word here, but this depends on my response more than on the situation. My capacity to meet this and therefore maybe to transform it somewhat, you know. So, I see this switch differently in me, let me talk in this way. For me, very honestly, there's been a shift of belief or understanding. And now it seems like it's more important to me how I engage with what's happening than what's actually happening. How I engage with it is more important than what's happening. And what's happening, often I don't have the exact control immediately over it. But my response, my way to engage with it, can assure uh, some well-being for myself, but also impact the, what is happening, the situation, also my capacity to respond rather than shut down, deny, freak out, all the different, uh, the huge, what is it, range of responses that are not so wise and that we often uh, experience, you know. And so here, we're, it, it's becoming more and more clear, I think. So we go from some kind of confusion to more clarity. That's a, the movement that I see in minds and hearts. We're clarifying what is helpful, what is not, how I'm going to uh, put more attention on this, what, what makes courage arise, the capacity to connect, to, to bring a little interest, curiosity, to how curiosity is revolutionary in the mind heart, that usually when I would uh, reject, freak out, now I'm like, oh, through the voice of the teachers, through the the teaching themselves, I'm constantly invited, it seems. Can I turn attention, curious attention towards this that is happening? Do you recognize that movement? And to me, that movement is, is a revolution of the mind. Instead of judging, uh, Hating, not wanting, wanting more of, can I be interested because that's actually happening, and so the development of uh, curiosity, and so we become clear that this is oh this is this has value, this is a help along the way, this is an ally, this is a good friend, I want to have access to this friend more and more, this friend of curiosity, of courage, of patience, of acknowledgment. I used to say the word acceptance, I tend to use it a little bit less these days because it might have the tone that I accept, therefore I do nothing about stuff. So now I try to use the word acknowledge, I'm acknowledging that this is happening, this is really happening, this is really happening, let me take this in, in order to engage with it, do you see? So today, uh, Lila was talking about the, that aspect of experience that comes with any phenomena, any experience has this little juice in it of pleasantness or unpleasantness or uh, neutrality. Eh? When we hear something, when we think of something, when we have an emotion, when we anything that happens to us, to one of the senses, it comes with this little juice. One of the uh, uh, old uh, Burmese teacher would say, you know, when there's the I... The and, uh, and the visual object, when they touch, there's a contact. Huh? Well, I see something light in the room. When there's a, the, uh, an encounter between the skin, the sensitivity of the skin and the heat or the cold, there's a, there's a contact. Huh? They meet together. Whoa, suddenly we feel it's cold, it's hot. hot. There's a contact. And you, you would say that's a uh, Lady Sayada. He would say, in this contact, in this pressing, there's a little juice that comes out. We could talk about this like this. It's the juice of pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. If you were to remove this, we would not recognize life. We would say, like, kind of put it on mute. We would say, oh, <laughs> what's this realm? I'm in another realm, you know, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't have access to. Yeah. And as Lila was saying, this as a, it really plays out in our life because when things are pleasant often the mind will contract like wants to keep fear losing when it's unpleasant it will almost naturally i think reject think something is wrong blame hate want to destroy uh feel guilty about i did something wrong it shouldn't be you know when it's neutral we get confused something's wrong nothing's happening in my meditation you know, we, it's hard for us to be with uh, neutral, we, we get a little confused, you know, we change channel, we, <laughs> we, you know, we want our money back, we, <laughs> you know, and so here we, it's so we start to, dis, to discern maybe that, oh, it's not so much that it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, the problem, maybe a lot of my well-being uh, lies in the response that I have my way to encounter pleasure. pleasure. Can I allow it to be felt, you know? The way I encounter this pleasure, can I allow some displeasure to be part of life as it will anyway, you know? Can I encounter this wisely? So these qualities, they um these qualities say of equanimity, they don't um they don't arise out of a vacuum is that the expression like Okay, let me be equanimous now. You know, it doesn't happen like this. You could think there's a cost for it, you know, the cost is high, but maybe the cost is not so high because this is a really high level quality, you know, so but the the cost is getting really close to reactivity, feeling the cost that's where the cost should go the word cost of reactivity of closing down of getting worked up here we come close to this and we we start to see how expensive draining exhausting it is and there's a few discoveries that we make that help courage be um, cultivated that help equanimity be cultivated so I'll name a few of these discoveries that we make. So one of the discoveries that uh, we make... (coughs) Let me see here... Uh, Yes, one of the discoveries that we make is... um, around uh, the condition, nature of events, reality, you know before we feared something might happen or we would want something to happen. And the more we practice, the more we start to understand intuitively. We might not even think about this. I'm putting it in words. But through practice, it's not even through words. It's good to put it in words, but it might not even involve conceptual thinking. It's more of a gut feeling. That's why sometimes you might have this this experience that... uh, I've, I've had this experience many times, and people often say that, oh my God, when you said that, it was so exact, and I, I recognized the truth of that, or there was like a ah moment. It's because it's conceptualized in words, but we know it interesting, intrinsically. We've touched it. We just haven't worded it this way. And then we're like, oh my God, the Dharma is so right. The Dharma is so right because we know it. We felt it. It's just not been named yet, you know. And then the teacher comes in, says a few words, and like, wow, big projection. Because <laughs> we were the one to name it, you know, but it's been <laughs> named for us before. But, uh, you know, and uh, so there's something in the practice that is intuitive, penetrative. That's what we call vipassana, insight. Is that by paying close attention, we feel this stuff. So once it's named, we're like, yes, of course, I see this, you know, I know that, I felt it, I had access to it. Yeah. So, one of the things that start to stand out as we practice is that things are conditional. They arise when condi- conditions come together. In the teaching it says, when this is, that becomes. Something like this. When this is not, this disappears. And here we start to see the causality. What causes what? And for example, we start to see that uh, bringing attention, curious attention to something is actually helpful most of the time you know so we make a causal link we say oh instead of hating this thing denying it not wanting it to be there let me allow it to be there for a moment let me feel it so the feedback loop can be opened again i can feel the impact of the presence of that for example inner voice you know critical hateful inner voice So one that becomes really aware of the self-hatred in oneself, if it's present, it is in many of us, you know, with clear attention, it becomes again very clear that this is not for my benefit. This is not the the expression of truth. And so we feel this, oh, how did liberation from that, how did the trance and the belief in this voice got severed? Is that the way to say it? by bringing attention, careful attention. And so now we're discovering oh, bringing attention is actually really useful here. And we discover, oh, here's a link. When I bring attention to what's happening, instead of hating it, denying it, it helps me do something useful with it, like liberate it or cultivate it. Yeah. And so we start to see that things are conditional, and in this way we relax. Oh, there's a relaxation that might come from a deep insight into causality or conditionality. Oh, I don't have to so much fear this. If the conditions come together, it will happen. If the conditions don't come together, it won't happen. This is a deep one, no? Wow, that's a big one. But that's what happens in practice, I think. That's what I've seen we start to see, experience the uniqueness of event, the preciousness of it, as in the Lila's flower. What is the name of the flower? Udumvara. The Udumvara flower. So the uniqueness, which is to me pointing to causes and conditions came together for this to arise, this unique experience that is pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. It came together and it's going to dismantle when the conditions uh, change, you know. So this retreat came together for a bunch of conditions and whoops, it will dismantle. The anxiety that passes, the joy that passes came together and it will undo. And so we start to be really aware of the rising and passing nature of phenomena. And this in a way is uh, There's a joy in that, to be aligned with reality. Oh, I know more deeply now that things arise and finish. And so there's a, it's kind of a bittersweet recognition, no? Wow! In this reality, it doesn't serve any purpose that I wish for it to stay. It will disappear. We don't know exactly when, but for sure it will disappear because everything does. And then there might be an alignment with this. Wow! This is the reality I'm invited to live in. Can that be okay? And we might find that, yeah, okay, that's a strange thing that everything will disappear. And I think I can take this in. And so there's a joy of, wow, I can actually align. I don't have to resist fear that reality will change. It will. Okay. Okay. Let's go with it. There will be aging. There will be dis-ease. Oh my God. Okay. Do you, do you sense this? I don't know if I'm passing this along, but to me there's a joy of being freed from the wish for something else, you know, that is extremely stressful. Wow, things will change. Okay. Okay, let's get into it then. With that comes another kind of joy that is a strange joy, I think maybe I'm already talking about this, is the joy of disenchantment. It seems uh, when you first hear that, it's like, oh, disenchantment, it feels pretty like downfall, no? (laughs) like a sheer drop, as I read some, (laughs) like, this is a sheer drop, is that the way to say it? (laughs) But the disenchantment, if you think about it in another way, it's like when you're under a spell, you know, you're under a spell of some sort, and it it makes you, you're entranced by something, enamored, fascinated by something (laughs) that is not, and then somebody breaks the spell, frees you from that spell, and suddenly you're, ah, okay, I was under the impression that, you know, and it was leading my moves and, my, and it was making me confused, you know. And now I've been freed from the spell. So here one of the spells that we're freed from, disenchantment, is the, f- the kind of projection that we have of satisfaction. That this will completely satisfy me. Mm-hmm. And the this put pretty much anything there. This will really satisfy, when I'm this other version of moi, you know, then I'll, I'll be happy. When I finally get this thing, then I'll be f- uh, finally happy. And by paying attention, I think, and again, please do not believe me. <laughs> Check it out that the nature of this reality is that because things are changing and conditional so a little shaky uncertain we cannot control completely because of that there's nothing that is going to be absolutely permanently uh, in a sustainable way uh, satisfying in the career family situation you know there's N- nothing. And again, please do not believe me, but the teaching seems to say that. <laughs> and so to me, what is the joy in that, in that extremely worst bad news I've ever heard, <laughs> you know? The joy is to break the spell, because I used to think it was my fault or the fault of the other, that it was not satisfying, and or the pressure that I put on it. You're supposed to be satisfying, and you're telling me you're not, or you're showing that you're not. This is really disappointing. <laughs> you know. And so when you dis- discover that, oh, the other cannot be satisfying, and the situation cannot be totally satisfying, it's not in its nature to be. Then suddenly, and that's where maybe there's a f- switch here, of like, oh, it's not so much the situation, it's how I'm going to meet it because it's not going to be able to provide completely. You might think, you know, when this person sees me in this way, then everything will be fine. You know, once I'm seen in this way, this will be okay, everything will be okay. And then we, maybe we get there. And again, you're like, oh, it happened, but will it stay? I'm not sure because things being transient and changing, they might not keep seeing me like this. Or maybe one sees me like this, but not the other next to them. You know, and ah, so I don't know if I talk about this well, but that's we say one of the things that we notice in practice that this reality is a little um I can't find this word in English as we have s- such beautiful word in in French. I was saying this to a group today. We have this word in French bancal, and we use that. When you say something is bancal, it means that uh, one of the four legs is off, you know? It's a little wobbly, you know, the table or the chair. And so in the teaching, it says that from the point of view of a human being, life, human life, this experience, will be a little bancal. <laughs> it's not going to be exactly what we want at all. T- you know, it'll. Like uh, the. The axle, the wheel, a wheel, and the axle and the wheel are like not exactly. So you're in your chariot, you know, like when you leave here in your chariot, <laughs> and it's always like, <coughs> you know, this is life for you, <laughs> because you know you might have perfect health, but then a the cold come, you know, and you know, and might think, oh, everything was perfect until the cold came. The cold is part of life, <laughs> you know, you might, and the diagnosis, it's part of life. And the trouble for us is we'll think, why me? Why moi? Or it's the fault, you know, and actually this is the nature of this reality. It doesn't mean we do nothing about it. It just means that there's something that can relax and into this and say, oh, that's how it is. And I'm still going to engage energy and be relational with this life and try to lessen the amount of suffering caused caused to me, that I caused to others, you know. Even in this reality that is a little crooked, there's so much I can do to create, uh, again, more safety, more uh, to see uh, beings, include them, etc. Myself included. another joy that you might experience. And again, check it out for yourself. It's the joy of, um, I could say, non-fusion or non-identification. And so that's really coming out of the um, careful practice. That's s- the process that happens is that we diffuse our identity from phenomena. So. When I came here, maybe I thought, oh, I'm so fearful. I'm always fearful. I have to stop being fearful. And who are you? I'm fearful, you know. <laughs> and through the practice, suddenly I discover, oh, there's fear here. It's not exactly me, but it's definitely there. And it needs attention, careful attention. But that's not me, you know. Oh, there's agitation here, but it's not exactly me, but it's definitely there. And maybe it's a pattern and it comes often, but it doesn't define me. yeah. And this is, for me, it's very liberating, it's very joyful to imagine, for example, this thing about a cruel thought crosses my mind. If I'm identified with it, that is really bad news because I'm bad and I'm a cruel person. But if I'm diffused from it, disidentified, then I can recognize, oh, here's a cruel thought, should not act on this, should not uh, entertain this. This is uh, not for my well-being. This is not for the well-being of others. And so in this way, it doesn't define me. And it doesn't make me irresponsible. Which would be an extreme, you know. So in this practice here, we learn how to not identify with events. But learn to know them. And it's not like we're separated also. That could be an image of perspective. My sense is we get closer to experience. In this practice, we go in. We go in, but without uh, or liberating this view that it describes me or moi. And so, I'll tell you a little story here of uh, a Tibetan uh, practice that's been um, Joanna Macy, when uh, one of the teachers of this tradition has a Kind of brought it here in the West and uh, is helping, uh, um, is using it as a tool for for practice. <clears throat> and, and so I'm wondering now if I should say a little bit of the work of Joanna Macy. So very quickly, I'll just say that. Uh, the way she sees the, the work that needs to be done is that uh, there's kind of three aspects. I, I, I'm going really big now. I'm, I'm kind of getting out of the talk to talk, talk to you about almost something else, but that is worth it. So I think she says that uh, for the world to become a better world in every senses of, the, uh, of it, there's three kinds of things that needs to happen. We need to uh, look at the systems that we're part of and actually say no to some parts of it. That doesn't work. This is dysfunctional. This is harmful. This is uh, oppressive in some ways for some of us. So be very clear about this. So this is kind of, kind of activism, right? There's another part where she says we need to create new forms. New forms of farming, new forms of this, new forms of being together, new forms of market, new forms. So it needs to happen. And a third aspect, is we have to do in, in inner work. So if one of these is not there, that's, it's not gonna work. But we need to address all these. So here, when you come here, we're, we're, we're working on one of the aspects, is detoxifying, clarifying, bringing understanding. So one of the many ways that uh, Joanna has Some is grief work, despair work, to acknowledge our despair, to feel again this gratitude work, to uh, energize, nourish. So some of the things we've been doing here. And one of the particular exercises is the dance to dismember the ego. And I, was, uh, I had the chance to do this a few weeks ago with a group of 100 uh, people. And so after a period of practice like this where we've seen, no, have we not seen the patterns of this mind, how it creates the trouble for us? We've identified it cl- clearly and we've dis- diffused some from it. We've learned to s- have compassion for it, know that it's happening, but it's not exactly us. It's not exactly serving. You know, Other patterns, they're also not exactly us but they're really useful. I'll give you an example. If you find generosity or kindness in you, imagine when suddenly there's the identification with this, ah, I'm so kind, I'm so kind, <laughs> I'm so generous, always been. You know? Do you see the problem in that? And here what we try to do is recognize the wholesome or helpful nature of the uh, qualities of the mind. Oh. This is onward leading. This is, this is of the public domain. It doesn't belong to anybody, generosity or kindness or honesty or care or, or uh, consideration. It, this is, it belongs to everybody. And I recognize this is helpful <laughs> in the system, this one or this one or this one. It's helpful. So I bring it in. I don't make it personal, because if I do in the wrong way, maybe it's going to be really, it's not going to help. Do you all know that I'm generous? Are you all aware that I'm (laughs) generous? Because it's about me, you know. It's not about me. It's about the fact that it's helpful, right? And so, in the dance to dismember the ego, uh, I like that uh, the whole thing because I think it talks about uh, what we do in the practice. Is uh, so. I'll tell you what we did a few weeks ago. So everybody had um, uh, like maybe a pound of clay and access to a bunch of little arts and crafty things. And we were giving maybe a day or so in the break periods, you know. So after a few days of retreat like this, imagine, so now we would say, you all have your little lump of clay. <laughs> and there's all these little, like, little colorful things, you know, that you can play with. And in the room downstairs, in the meal mealtimes, and at different times, you can go and make a little puppet of your ego of your patterns, of like the way you promote yourself, hide yourself, your patterns that you've noticed, you know. And you have two days to fab- create a little puppet of this ego, of these p- sets of patterns that uh, you know, uh, are active, that you've been, uh, seen, uh, you've seen in operation during the week. And then we're going to make a big circle and we're going to do a show-and-tell and you're going to come in with your ego and you're going to say, ladies and gentlemen, look at this ego. And we're going to go like, wow, it's huge. <laughs> and we're going to celebrate your ego. And, uh, and so that's what we did. And, it was <laughs> and I've had the chance to do it, this a few times and I cannot believe how people enjoy that. They enjoy... <laughs> com- and you have the most introverted beings that I've seen over the years. They never talk, always very humble and then suddenly they come out, you know. (laughs) And the job of the the crowd you could say is to really rejoice in the ego. And so somebody comes and they say, look at moi, you know, and we'll say, Wow It's like look, I'm in this cage and I'm staying inside and I'm not going outside because inside I can judge everybody and I'm staying in and there's this just this little opening and we're like, Wow, stay in. (laughs) Don't go out. (laughs) They're like, but now I think I want to go out. Now, stay in. (laughs) And somebody else comes and they're like, look, all the things of my past are weighing on me. All these rocks keep me down. You're like, whoa, amazing. I want rocks like this. (laughs) And so we can describe the patterns that we've seen in action, And the actual thing that we're doing is we're loving. that This ego so wants to be seen. So we're going to see it and celebrate it. And acknowledge it because many of these things have been very useful and some of them are not anymore. And at the end, if one wants, they can dismember the ego. Or some of them, some of us decide to say, like, actually, no, it's still very, very <laughs> precious. <laughs> and so I think I can uh, f- uh, say also, what did, <laughs> did I. S- so there was this, uh, that I've seen so many versions of egos. Um, and so I remember, like one that comes to mind now is someone came and they said, "Look, I'm the white guy," and they said, "Look, I have a kind of a what is it called? A halo above me because everything I think and say is right, and I have a golden tongue because my voice is so welcomed." You know, and it's like, wow, this person is so aware of their ego construct, you know, and they can laugh about it, not judge it. Not hate it, but name it. That's what we've been doing here the whole week, naming it for us, ourselves. Like, oh, arrogance arises. Oh, self-deprecation arises. Oh, constant judging in the dining hall arises. And so, and many of these things we want to hide, but then in the circle, we bring it forward and we're happy about it. Look at what I do in secret, you know, that I don't (laughs) want you to know, and that everybody knows really well that we do, you know. And so, uh, and I remember somebody came and they had this little, like the cutest little thing that you wanted to stroke and kiss, you know. And they were like, look at me, I'm so uh, tender and kissable and adorable. And it's like they were <laughs> revealing their device, you know, it was so and so fun. So what would be your ego puppet? I think you have more clarity about this right now, you know. And so not to hate it, but to say, like, oh, yeah, there are these things that come in, you know. When I try to hide it or get rid of it, whoops, it pops out, you know. Like, oh, the control freaks pops out, you know. And uh, despite my best effort, it's going to take over for a few minutes here, you know. And can that be okay? Can we be aware of this? Can, you, can we acknowledge this and... and because now maybe we know that might be the best way actually to ease this is to name it recognize it not get all worked up about it but become stay really awake to it and so to do this one has to make an object of the of the ego so it's not me anymore it's there you know and i can observe it and i can laugh about it be joyful about it this is liberating no it's there and even though somebody will dismember it and say Bye-bye, you know, it's time to go, my love, you know, and ah, are, the next day, probably, it's still going to be there, you know, <laughs> because th- these things are well-constructed, you know, and they might endure a little while more, you know. And so here, what we do, I'm talking about this because that's, uh, that's what we're doing here, not exactly in, the, in this palpable form, but that's what we're doing, we're recognizing Uh, the patterns of behavior and those that create suffering for us you know and we start to have a little humor about it not take it so personal oh yeah this happened fear arises contracting arises uh, projecting into the future does arise in human beings and it arises here it's not me it does arise you know so One of the joys, then, is the joy of uh, non-identification, of recognition that the pattern is there, active, powerful maybe, but it's not exactly moi, you know. None of them are. There's nothing that I, maybe in the course of practice one could say, there's nothing that I can really recognize as being exactly moi. Things are being transient, things are conditional, Things are helpful, things are not helpful, and uh, I don't know what discovery one will make at the very, uh, towards the end of the road, if there even is uh, an end to this path. But there's something about the joy of not being so identified with uh, phenomena that is liberating, and we don't disappear. There's the fullness of life stays there, but things don't define us exactly and we can learn to take care of them in a better way. So this is a way to express the joy of non-clinging, non-clinging non-acquiring, non-appropriating uh, things that are part of this universe, you know, but taking really good care of them, being really awake to how they help or hinder uh, a life. So let's just sit here for a few seconds. May the practice that uh, we're doing here and have done uh, ripple out and it will. It's impossible that it won't. May it uh, be for the benefit of all beings, those near to us, those dear to us, and those far from us and uh, unknown to us or unconsidered up to now. May we see the beauty in all the preciousness, the potential, and may we protect it and help it uh, develop.